Yo, what's good everyone? It's Anushan and you're listening to Brown Men Won't Jump. Howdy how y'all, us we here, and welcome to another episode of Brown Men Won't Jump. Joining me today is the artist formerly known as E-Boogie, Eric. Yes, sir. And of course, is my brother, the person I like to refer to as A-Booger, AC. <laughs> I can't believe I'm laughing at that. What's up, guys? Well, I mean, does that make you want to start a beef with me? I just called you a booger on this podcast in front of everyone. I feel like our beef started since that fateful, horrible day on July 25th, 1994, when this massive storm was <laughs> raging outside and this horrible thing came into the world and the rest has been history. That was the greatest day of our parents' life, I could tell you that for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen guys, we've had a lot of positive feedback on our last beef podcast and we knew we had to go to part three of our beefs. So we got plenty of really funny beefs for you guys today. So before we get into the first beef, I need to ask you guys a serious question. What is your favorite breakfast cereal? I know where this one's going because mine actually is Honey Nut Cheerios. (laughs) Oh, wow. I tried to actually answer that question and not be funny. (laughs) Come on, man. (laughs) Well, 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 for the fans, I'm sure some of them are curious. What is your... So, AC, you do like Honey Nut Cheerios. Fruity Pebbles, Eric? (laughs) I'm a Fruity Pebbles guy. I would say Lucky Charms is up there for me. I, I go back and forth, but Honey Nut Cheerios, I, I, I do fuck with. So for those of you who don't know, AC, can you explain why I'm bringing up breakfast cereals in a beef podcast? I mean, <laughs> you have to be referencing the infamous spat between <laughs> Kevin Garnett and Carmelo Anthony. Yep. And this is not, you know, we're not talking about washed up Carmelo Anthony. This is like in his prime mellow when he's on the Knicks and him and KG have a little bit of a scuffle in which Garnett says that his wife, as in Carmelo Anthony's wife, Lala Anthony of, you know, MTV TRL fame, tasted like honey nut Cheerios. And then Mello got extremely (laughs) angry and they had to be separated on the court. And then Mel tried to fight him in the locker room afterward. You know, there's a little bit of a scuffle on the way to the locker room. And they reportedly have hated each other ever since, or at least Mello hates Garnett. One of the all-time greatest disrespectful things a player has said to another <laughs> player. Usually, guys say things like, oh, you're some shit. You a scrub. <laughs> you can't hold my jock. <laughs> no, 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 no. Kevin Garnett, who he lives the disrespect. He was bred in the disrespect. He goes for the thing that would, I think, make most men the angriest. I'm going to imply that I've tasted your wife, which if the two gentlemen were 150 years in the past, someone would have got slapped with a glove and they would have had to have a duel. So... Yeah, the steaks, <laughs> by saying his wife tasted like Honey Nut Cheerios, they were high. They were high, high. And it's also great because usually Carmelo wasn't a guy who really fought, and KG 
wasn't a guy who picked fights with guys who would actually fight. And in this circumstance, they both were outside of their norms because Carmelo chased him all the way to the bus. And KG picked on someone who wasn't some six foot tall guy from Slovenia. So, you know. I mean, only KG would come up with something so bizarre as that. And really what it has me wondering is, is he saying that as a compliment? Like, yo, man, I love Honey Nut Cheerios so much and your wife tastes like that. So, yeah, good for you. Or, God damn it, I hate Honey Nut Cheerios. She tastes like that. So, <laughs> good luck, buddy. I mean, this is just classic Kevin Garnett. He's one of the great dicks of modern era. I mean, this guy, <laughs> he would trash talk in a way that was just flat out inappropriate. Whether it was getting on all fours and barking at a guy. Whether it was telling Tim Duncan when he was at the free throw line in a playoff game on Mother's Day. He goes up to him and says, happy Mother's Day, motherfucker. And for those of you who don't know, Tim Duncan's mother passed away when he was a teenager and they were very close. So obviously this, this really pissed off Duncan. Uh, don't forget when he went up to Charlie Villanueva, who has this you know, disease in which he can't even grow like eyebrows or any hair on his body. Alopecia. And he called him a, yeah, and, and he called him a cancer patient. So this is just oh. what Kevin Garnett does. You know, I, I don't mean to laugh at the jokes because they're pretty pathetic. It's it's more like I just laugh at the fact that Garnett did this for like 10 years and somehow like never got in an actual fight despite doing all this. I mean, it's just as Eric alluded to, he picked on guys who weren't known as fighters. And generally speaking, it was just a bully out there. Even though the examples you gave AC, to be fair, are guys that I wouldn't th- like the Charlie Villanueva. I mean, I'm actually surprised KG said that to him because he's big enough that it would be a fight if they decided to actually fight. So that seems outside the norm. He's big enough. He's not like the typical guards that Garnett said stuff to, but he wasn't he wasn't a fighter, right? Like he didn't go say this shit to Ben Wallace. Oh, yeah. He didn't say it to Ron Artest or Charles Oakley. Exactly. Guys who would have killed him. (laughs) Right. I mean, same with Tim Duncan. Like Tim Duncan was a incredible competitor but he's not a guy who has he ever fought anybody i don't remember duncan ever getting into a fight with (laughs) anybody he just he just he just does he does the bug eye thing and he just like looks around and like yeah what are you doing back hall that reminds me when joey crawford ejected him for for giving a shocked typical tim duncan look from the bench and clapping (laughs) That's the best Actually, it's funny you say I was I was literally going to say if there's anyone Tim Duncan wanted to fight, it'd probably be Joey Crawford because <laughs> of all the times yeah. he's been a terrible that, ref. That would have been a fight I would have paid to see. I would have paid it too. But this just shows you that, you know, Kevin Durant. Um, <laughs> oh, this was Freudian slip there, I'll yeah. Kevin Garnett is someone who always picked on people who weren't his size, people who were smaller than him because he knew he couldn't fight like the bigger guys, right? And that reminds me a lot of another guy who does that in Kevin Durant, a guy who constantly has a beef with everybody on social media or he, you know, he acts like a tough guy because he's on a overpowered super team all the time. Well, the Kevin Durant thing to me is a little bit different in that Kevin Durant is a guy who actually has nothing to prove to anybody. I mean, he's hands down one of the most talented players ever. At any given point, he's either widely perceived as the second best, the third best, or at times even the best player in the world. And yet he sees the need to not only respond to every troll on the internet that annoys him, 
but to make burner accounts and say all kinds of stuff, which brings me to our next beef, which is Kevin Durant versus Russell Westbrook, a guy who was his teammate for years, a guy that came up together. They should have, in my opinion, eventually been able to win a championship together, but for whatever reason, it didn't work out. And then there are basketball reasons for that. I, mean, I don't think Westbrook is the easiest guy to play with. The reason I bring him up in the context of what you said there, Oswe, is Durant famously makes a burner account after he abandons Westbrook and, and joins the Warriors. And then he starts saying things like, can't win with those cats and all this other stuff like that, referring to the old Thunder, who were, by the way, a loaded squad. And that led Russell Westbrook to do the whole cupcake thing, calling Durant a cupcake. They didn't want to shake hands at All-Star Game. I don't get the sense they're still particularly friends. Maybe they were never like close friends, but it does seem like that relationship completely frayed. And it's one of those crazy times where you had two teammates who looked like they would conquer the league together for a decade to come, and it just didn't happen. Their beef has deeper roots than just their ultimate split, right? Because if you think about the coverage of that Thunder team... When they would lose, Westbrook would get so much heat and Durant would kind of skate above that, right? He was like their golden boy. And no matter how bad Kevin Durant played, specifically in that 2016 Western Conference Finals when they blew the 3-1 lead, the guy who got most of the blame often was Russell Westbrook. Now, to be fair, Westbrook has had questionable postseasons and I'm being very generous in my wording there. But the fact that Kevin Durant didn't get nearly as much heat as Westbrook did I wouldn't be surprised if that pissed off Westbrook a bit. Seemingly to me, I never thought Russ really cared that most of the heat for their failures was aimed at him. I I don't think Russ is built in the manner to really give a hell what we think about him. I agree, Eric. I agree with that. Yeah, or care what we think about his performances. So I... I think he was the actual perfect foil for Kevin while Kevin was in OKC when they came up short because the mass like amount of ire went towards Russ and Russ just blew it off and kept it moving. I think what happened the year or the offseason before he actually left to Golden State when they they played Golden State, they were up 3-1. And then they lost in seven games. I think what happened there, Kevin, for the first time, legitimately was getting criticized for his performance. And Kevin couldn't take it. And thus, he left. And because Kevin is anything, if not petty and passive aggressive, as of late, he's more overt with his ire. But but for a long time, whenever he wanted to actually, like, show anger and disgust or distaste, he would show it in a furtive way. That's why we saw him doing the whole, you know, burner accounts on Twitter. It, that that conflict between their natures, I think, led to a buildup of them just not being able to get along. I, I think, ultimately, they probably would have gotten along even with Kevin walking away from the team. But it's just the passive-aggressive nature of Kevin. I mean, look. Westbrook's entire brand is hashtag why not, right? Like he, you're right. He doesn't give three shits about what people think about him. But even guys like that, when the whole media narrative is so one-sided, that does have an impact. Because if the media narrative of you is misconstrued in some way, that could have contract implications. It could have endorsement implications. Now, 
Westbrook's on-court play after Durant with his triple-double season and stuff like that have certainly helped in that. But, I mean, had he not done that, the whole coverage really could have, you know, hurt his brand. So I think the businessman in him would have been affected by that and wouldn't like that. But yeah, him as the person wouldn't give a shit. Well, the beautiful thing about this beef, guys, is that the end story is not yet written. We may see these two guys face each other in NBA Finals as soon as this season, or at least maybe once over the next couple of seasons. And I think whoever wins that, there's going to be an actual edge there given their beef against each other. But that also brings me to the guy who Durant left Westbrook for. The story goes, the Warriors had just lost a 3-1 lead to the Cleveland Cavaliers. And from the parking lot, who does Draymond Green call but Kevin Durant? Hold up, hold up. You have to make it clear. If I'm not mistaken, Draymond was crying and called Kevin Durant. He was crying. Yes. He calls Kevin Durant to join him. And then, of course, a once-in-league history cap spike happens, and Durant joins a 73-win team, which, frankly, was more or less unbeatable when healthy. Fast forward a few years, and then I remember this really well. I remember in the moment when it happened, people were like, wow, that was pretty remarkable. Could this be a sign of something? There was a particular game in which came onto the last possession. Steph Curry was not there. He wasn't even in the building that day. So it was, it was Durant was playing and Draymond was on the court. And Draymond in the last sequence took the ball down the court. And I can't remember off the top of my head if he turned it over or if he just took a bad shot. But either way, the ball did not go to Durant's hand. And Durant went off on him a bit, you know, between the end of regulation and overtime. And that's when Draymond unleashed on Durant and said, hey, you're not going to be here anyway. And, and kind of just lit into him and said, you know, we won without you, basically, and we don't need you. And then Durant, you could see him on the camera saying, that's why I'm going to leave here. And that was probably the first cracks that the public could see in what seemed like an unbeatable dynasty. Um, You watered that down, AC. Give me the non-watered down version. Draymond looked at Kevin and said, you a bitch and you know you a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> so that true. was actually said to him. Yep. Which I honestly, and professional team sports and and all of us we watch a ton of sports like a, a healthy amount of sports can you remember an example where a teammate told a guy you're a bitch and you know you're a bitch i can't i've seen teammates fight for less that's a wild thing for a guy to tell the best player on a team now and i understand that best player was not the leader of the team but he still was the best player on that team that was unprecedented. Of course, Kevin had to either fight or leave. We know which direction he took. At the end of the year, he went to the Nets. Well, Eric, I, I think a lot of that, though, came from an understanding amongst that team that Durant was on his way out anyway. And so that's even more why Draymond said what he said. What's really interesting to me is just as recently as about a month or two ago, they had this sort of one-on-one -on -one interview between Draymond and Durant where they kind of threw this whole thing away and minimized it and instead somehow put the blame on poor Steve Kerr and Bob Myers for this whole thing, which seemed to me like the ultimate revisionist history because I'm not really sure what those guys should have done here. And it seemed like, if anything, they, they took the situation seriously enough 
that they addressed it. And on the one hand, Draymond and Durant are claiming that the team didn't take it seriously enough. On the other hand, they're claiming that they took it too seriously. So I'm not really sure what their allegation is. It's just a nice way to say, hey, we're cool now that we're on different teams. And they're just trying to rewrite this whole thing and put the blame somewhere else. When frankly, it should squarely be on the two of them. Can you imagine someone walking up and cussing you out and and smacking you? And then two years later, that same person saying, oh, you know, uh, our supervisor, he should have really done more to stop that. Like, <laughs> no, no, he says he should have done more to stop that, but also less to stop that. I mean, I don't really know. I don't know what he wants from. What do you want from these guys? So you two grown ass adult men, both of you over six, six, you get into this like war of words. One guy calls you a sucker. The other guy just kind of like does his passive aggressive. Well, that's why I'm going to leave. And. Then later on, when you're when you're back on the same team in the Olympics, suddenly it's kumbaya and like, you know, those other adult men who are smaller than us, what they really should have done is either A, punish Draymond more severely, or B, not done anything to Draymond at all. Like, guys, get the hell out my face. Do you understand the subtext of this, though? Draymond's basically saying, you're a bitch, but they shouldn't have allowed me to call you a bitch. <laughs> right? No, you're right that's you're actually right. so true like that's he never true. he didn't he didn't actually bury the hatchet he's just saying like yeah you're a bitch he that's, didn't that's apologize all at all actually yeah. also you're and, right and the best part is kevin durant he took that hook line and sinker he didn't actually understand that draymond wasn't saying that he's any less of a bitch i guess he wanted more accountability i, I don't know i, I took it as the whole thing was done to make Draymond look a little bit better. And Durant was like fine with it because people in Golden State, you know, a lot of Warriors fans and people in the media blame in large part Draymond for, for what happened with Durant. And I think it was their way of saying, actually, it wasn't just this and he was going to leave anyway and everything else. So I, I do think Durant was on board with Draymond there, but it is funny that Draymond never actually apologized. Yeah, but he was, if- was going to leave, though, like we, we know this, yeah. like. It yeah. was like the the classic case of the so-called disease of me setting right. in. Like he won this championship and he thought that would elevate him above this guy that he's been chasing his whole career. And it didn't for whatever reason. Well, we know the reason because you went on to a 73 win team. But yeah, he didn't get the respect that he was expecting to get. And they had stories leaking out of Golden State in the subsequent two years after his first chip saying that KD was kind of like hunting for his own like individual acclaim, but he wasn't getting it in the manner that he wanted it. So he was going to leave. Guys, you realize this is like if in the Kobe and Shaq, like reconciliation meeting, you know, that special that aired a couple of years ago, Kobe was like, you know, if only my lawyers told me not to say that you paid off your women too. Like, if only that happened. <laughs> Honestly, I think Kobe has Beyonce-level deranged fans. I, I think they wouldn't have found anything wrong with it. Like, and and Shaq probably would have just looked at it like, okay, Kobe, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> and... You know, it would have just been swept under the rug. I, I, I think Kobe Bean could have gotten away with anything with his fans. 
Yo, Eric, I just want to say I, I like your impressions. You had a, like a Weasley voice for Kevin Durant. You have this low, slow voice for Shaq. I like this. I am the the worst impressionist, but you all give me such like great feedback for my self-esteem. So I appreciate it. <laughs> Keep them coming. It's entertaining. <laughs> Eric's like now that police academy guy who does the sound effects for us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm that guy with like completely no skill. So yeah, I'll, I'll take it. Yeah, I, I I have a confession to make though, guys. So a younger me a couple of years ago on National Wine Day, and this is wine like the one you drink. Um, a younger me DM'd Kevin Durant uh, and said. Happy National Wine Day, you big baby. But of course, I spelled it W-H-I-N-E. It was a younger, more spiteful, you know, slanderous me, of course. Uh, how many years Guys, ago? that was, was two years ago. Tw- yeah. 2019. That's just two years ago, if I recall Listen, correctly. in quarantine, I have found inner peace, all right? In quarantine, I've found inner peace. So <laughs> let's move on, though, to a guy who definitely needs a little bit more inner peace. How about Latrell Sprewell and his beef with PJ Carlissimo's neck, guys? <laughs> you know, Kevin Durant, Kevin Garnett, they're they're faux tough guys, like hold me back type guys, right? Latrell Sprewell, I wish he was a hold me back type of guy because he literally put his hands on his coach's neck. I mean, can you imagine if that happened today? Hey, guys, lay off of Latrell. He was just trying to feed his family. <laughs> One of my favorite quotes ever. Well, that was years later. Somehow <laughs> this guy went from, you know, choking out his coach to somehow resurrecting his career with New York and then being a decent player in Minnesota with KG and Sam Cassell to then being so full of himself that he turned down money, a pretty decent contract to, quote, feed his family. And never played in the league again. Never did. But Eric, tell us a little bit about the time when Latrell did choke out PJ Carlissimo. Like, what the fuck happened there? Uh, well... <laughs> I think it's the classic case of the up jump young coach trying to, I guess, set some type of standard of authority and a young up and coming star who's being paid more than said young coach. Just like, I don't have to take this. And mixing in the fact that the young star was a head case and a proverbial stay ready all star. And then you got a coach in a practice session getting choked out in front of the whole team and, you know, having very visible marks on his neck in subsequent games. Yeah, I mean, that's an exaggeration what Eric says there. If you look up PJ Carlissimo, not even like the day after, but even like a week or two after, he had very notable hand marks on his neck. I mean, he got literally choked. And it's kind of crazy that Spreel was able to resume his career after that. But the interesting thing about that is, so he gets suspended for a while and he winds up on the Knicks. And I, to this day, remember his first game. The game starts out, he's introduced, he's booed vehemently because here's the guy who choked out a coach. I mean, it's basically, you could, across sports, across the world, it's something you just don't do, right? You don't physically harm the head coach. But by the end of that game, Spreewell played so well that the Garden was cheering him and, and became a fan favorite. So, <laughs> hey, that's the life of a Knicks fan. You just take what you can get. I, I wonder what that says about Knicks fans in general. That being said, AC, to your point, my earliest basketball memory is hearing Latrell Spreewell. 
I mean, when I was a kid, I had no idea that this choking incident happened. I loved him. I thought the guy was so cool. But man, I guess uh, <laughs> the older you get, you learn your heroes aren't quite as heroic as they uh, initially seemed. So you hear a guy say, I'm going to put the paws on another guy. Latrell actually put the paws on someone and he left the paws on him. So <laughs> yeah, right. You, you kind of got to respect this moxie. So that's, you know, obviously there's a serious origin to that beef. I mean, a guy tried to basically committed assault and battery on his coach. But then you have some beefs that are somewhat on the absurd side. And there's almost no more absurd beef that has somehow persisted for now going on, you know, at least 15 years than the beef between Shaquille O'Neal and Dwight Howard over the fucking Superman nickname. Superman! Which somehow, <laughs> which somehow Shaq believes is owned by him. The last <laughs> I checked, Superman is a DC character that is like loved around the world and many people use to refer to themselves. But somehow Shaq thinks only he was Superman. It's funny because if you've ever seen MTV Cribs of both Dwight and Shaq, they both have a bunch of Superman-related paraphernalia in their house and claim the title Superman. I mean, for God's sakes, in the dunk contest even, Dwight had his whole Superman garb and was ultimately dunked on by Kryptonate. Oh, guys. <laughs> the Nate, we jumped over him. Oh, yeah, I forgot all about that. This beef is a beef between two of the corniest players I can think of. <laughs> like, like, Shaq is this guy who tried to rap that sucked at that, tried to act, sucked at that, tried to make himself into like this Wait, 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 wait. Are you saying that Kazam wasn't a good movie? Yes, Shaq Fu was too. <laughs> Come on wait, now. Wait, Shaq Fu probably bit. wasn't even a movie. Was it just like a game? Because I had I think Sha No, Shaq Fu's a video game. Shaq Fu's a game. But I will say, I Blue Chips was legit. He was yeah, legit in wasn't Blue that the, Wasn't that the one with Nick Nolte? Yeah, that's uh, the one where he's like a, a college athlete who gets paid off. Okay, yeah, that's only good Chris because Weber? they had good actors. Wait, wait, oh, so wow, basically Chris Webber, right? Time out. Chris Webber? <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> I'm sure he's always coming in with a Chris Webber heat. He knows I love Chris where, where did that come from? <laughs> what, college athlete who gets paid off? Like, and you know, what's, you know what's wild about it? That also was around the same time he was at Michigan. I, I actually I actually wonder if that was actually inspired by the Oh, shit! I'm yeah. not sure what the what the actual timing of that movie was, but yeah, now we're getting totally off topic. Yeah, I mean, but let's let's roll it back. Like these two guys are goofs. They corny. They not cool. And then you had Dwight, who clearly was influenced by Shaq and wanted to be something of a Shaq character, and he ended up getting drafted by the same team Shaq was drafted by. And then Shaq, who he's a little man trapped in a big man's body. He just has to say something and demean the younger guys, even though the guy's paying homage to you and looking up to you. And then we have this 15-year beef between two corny-ass dudes, and it's just like, <laughs> when will it end? Apparently never, because even after winning a championship with the Los Angeles Lakers and playing a legitimate role on that team, Shaq afterward said that he doesn't give Dwight Howard any credit for winning that ring. So even to this day... Old ass Shaq still has that beef over the fucking Superman name. To to be fair, to be fair to Shaq, Shaq hates on every young guy. Like Shaq has beef with Rudy Gobert. Shaq has beef with Donovan Mitchell after he hits a game winner. 
Like, Shaq just a hater. Like, he's a hater to his core. I don't even understand why he's an announcer at this point. Because all he does is, is throw salt in the game. So, I mean, it is what it is. Like, if I were Dwight, I would take that shit with, you know, a grain of sand. Shaq just does that. I mean, yeah, like, throughout his entire broadcasting career, even while Dwight was having some of his best years, Shaq was always on inside the NBA and just throwing shade at Dwight unnecessarily. Now, to be fair, on Dwight's behalf, he very much tried so hard to be, like, the big character the way that Shaq is. And it often felt very, like, contrived. But at the same time, like, the dude's just trying to find his own space in the NBA. And it doesn't help when you have this fool who is very clearly an idol of, well, maybe not anymore, of Dwight's just kind of shitting on him for no reason. Can I play a little devil's advocate, guys? Imagine you're Shaquille O'Neal. You've dominated the NBA for you know, the better part of two decades. And this young kid comes in. This dude is not nearly as big as you. He's not nearly as strong as you. He gets drafted to your franchise. People start comparing him to you. He has no footwork whatsoever. His post-up moves, you know, it looks like a guy having a seizure in the post because the way that he like throws the ball at the hoop and, you know, so much power time and so random that it just goes flying off. Just doesn't compare to you. So for him, it probably was like, this dude just ate me and he's being called me and being called the dominant big man. And I'm just not going to stand for it. Now, we all know that Shaq's a hater in general, but at least over recent years, he has given credit to big men he does respect. Like Joel Embiid, although he's harsh on him, he says that he roots for him. And when he does well, he applauds him. He's said consistently that he loves Nikola Jokic. But for whatever reason, Dwight Howard just doesn't measure up to him. And a lot of that's unfair, but a lot of that is in part because he never was a Shaq-level dominant player, not even close to it. Yeah, I think Dwight was always a rich man's Ben Wallace instead of a poor man's Shaq. So, I, I love that comparison, Eric. That's, that's a wow. really good comparison I never thought of. So I, I get it. And look, I'm a hater too. I hate on everything. And I'm consistently happy when I'm unhappy. So I understand just having a cynical, pessimistic outlook on the world and people. But at some point, it gets beneath you when it's just like you're nitpicking at the most infinitesimal transgressions that the guy has. Like, come on, man. Like, we get it. You better than him. Nope. None of us actually thought Dwight, or at least none of us who weren't lay people, thought that Dwight was comparable to Shaq. Like, shit, AC. Even when Dwight was on the Magic beating LeBron in 09, one of the things you and I kept uh, talking about, that it was somewhat almost like a slight demerit, even though that Magic team was much better, because Dwight wasn't quite that dominant level of a player, you know? Like, I, I don't know. It feels to me like he might have gone overboard in salvaging his own legacy that didn't need to be salvaged against the likes of Dwight. No, that's a good point, Eric. So guys, remember a couple months ago, we had an episode talking about <laughs> beefs and strippers? Well, we got another one for you here. How about Paul George versus Damian Lillard and also strippers? <laughs> you already know, Oswee. If there is nothing I love in this world, I love to talk shit about Paul George. I'm not even exactly <laughs> sure why now. It's just kind of become a tradition that... I just say, like, 
dismissive things towards him. But I will never understand a guy like Paul George who has a beef with a guy like Dame. A guy like Dame who's a certified, I think, number one dude. And Paul George, who's more like on an elite team, he's a number two at best, maybe, maybe a number three guy. I, I will never understand the, the shit talking and the disrespect that Paul George and his running mate, Patrick Beverly, who doesn't even play for the team now, but that's a story for another time. The, the beef that they picked with Dame, a Dame who sent Paul George home in the playoffs before by by hitting a huge dagger in his face. But wait, it was a bad shot, guys. It was a bad shot. I honestly can't believe that Paul George even said that bad shot thing. I mean, that's just fucking embarrassing. The dude hits it's his corner in your face to send you home and in your response is that was a bad shot. Come on. It's coping. It's a coping mechanism. He he didn't know how to respond. He was playing defense against the guy. The guy hit this clutch dagger in his face. The guy knew the shot was going in. He turns around and puts his hands up like he's exalted before the shot even falls in. He, he didn't know what to do. That level of greatness is a greatness that will always elude Paul. So that's the only way he could respond. Damn. You're probably not wrong. I think he's a better player than you're giving him credit for, but that level of greatness, hitting a shot from that far out in that situation, I mean, yeah, there's whoever can make that shot. In defense of Master Fisherman Paul George. Not, not the Master Fisherman, though, I'll sweet. <laughs> poor, poor catfished guy. For those of you who are wondering what the hell I'm saying, I refer to Paul George as the Master Fisherman because a couple years ago, he got catfished, and it resulted in some of the most ridiculous pictures and videos of Paul George that I could imagine. So, ho, therefore, ho, 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 bro. There are pictures of Paul George getting catfished. <laughs> yeah, guys, Google Dude, it. it. It's hilarious. Yeah, I, Eric, I'm jealous right now because you're about to embark on one of the great Googling journeys of NBA <laughs> uh, nerd culture that there could possibly exist. Uh, okay, so I knew Ray Allen got catfished. Wait, but, I did not know that. What? Oh yeah, that was a that was a whole thing. It became like a a, a legal case. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Ray Allen was giving someone like big bread and shit. But I never heard about the Paul George thing. So I I was wondering why you called a master fisherman. I never got the reference until now. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Dude, his catfish story is like a crazy crazy story which is you know we'll say it for another day but go on us so in defense of the master fisherman himself i thought that he in this year's playoffs certainly rehabilitated his reputation as a great player because let's not forget when he was the marquee player of the pacers he was that guy and i think he can still be that guy this year he led the clippers all the way to the western conference finals Granted, it was through a Western Conference that was very injured, but his high level of play cannot be understated. The man balled out and deserves respect for that. That being said, I think anyone, and me as a Sixers fan, hope this happens, would pick Dame Lillard over Paul George any day, and it's not even a question. Even despite the fact that Paul George is miles ahead of Dame Lillard on the defensive end, it's just that Dame Lillard is clutch. Dame time. There's there's nothing you could say other than Dame time. That alone makes him worth the sieve that he is on defense. Yeah, bruh. 
he's not any more received than any of the elite point guards they have in the NBA at this point. So I'm not even judging him on that. If I'm not judging Steph on that and I'm not judging Kyrie on that, who's worse than both of them, you know, it is what it is. Outside of CP3, like none of those guys play defense. But it, it to me, on the point you made, like he does have a, a history, Paul George, of being the number one guy on the team. I will, I would argue when the Pacers were the most successful, it was those guys and not that guy. So like team defense was they their calling card. It wasn't really like Paul George being in the Dame Lillard role when they were actually winning. But that being said, Paul George is a very, very petty, hating ass man for the beef that he's manufactured himself with Dame that stems from Dame hitting that game-winning or series-clinching shot over him, which somehow spread into like arguments between Paul George's significant other slash former beef partner he had who was a stripper previously that Paul George was avoiding the state of New York when he didn't <laughs> want to pay paternity for her and her baby with him. And, you know, Dame Lillard's sister, they both were beefing and it, it, it just spilled out of basketball. So Paul George is just like, he's a wild dude. Like something's wrong with him. By the way, that stripper is now his wife, I believe. So, you know, give her the proper title as Mrs. Wife. Fisherman. <laughs> Look, okay. I'm going to give her her respect. She's a case study in perseverance. She hounded him over the state of New York and in other locales for a whole season. He eventually started paying her paternity, and then she secured the man. She's like a, a, a stripper success story in some ways. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know what to say to that. because <laughs> I was trying to be inspirational, guys. I mean, I, I feel inspired. I do feel inspired. I mean, good for her. The key, the key to life is to annoy people until they get what you want, I guess. That's the moral of that it's story. Like, it's like the stripper Horatio Alger tale where, where you go from rags to riches. Uh, but in this case, the riches is having an unprotected dalliance with the NBA player. And then the riches are a baby that turns into continuous pay for 18 years. Dalliance, dude? Yo, I swear, our listeners need a dictionary from you. It's like it's like watching Walt Clyde Frazier using all these big words. <laughs> you know, like... I, I tried. I tried to make that as PG as possible. That's what that is. <laughs> no, I, I appreciate the effort, Eric. Not that we're a family podcast whatsoever, but yeah. <laughs> I appreciate the effort anyway. But speaking of inappropriate relationships, or rather people ratting out inappropriate relationships. We briefly touched upon this last one, which is Nick Young versus D'Angelo Russell. Uh-oh. And this is the ultimate case of snitching. Eric, you want to tell us a story? The man, the myth, the legend, D'Angelo Russell. So, <laughs> guys, <laughs> D'Angelo Russell precocious first-year guard on the L.A. Lakers. I think that was 2016, was it, guys? W was this in his rookie season, Eric? I don't this even remember. This was his rookie season. That's, that's wow. hilarious. I keep <laughs> keep he, going with the story, though. He sparked up a bit of the mentee-mentor relationship with noted veteran Swaggy P, 
Nick Young. <laughs> Before you move on, Eric, can we just talk about the fact that Nick Young was asked to be the veteran presence on this Lakers team? So they were already doomed <laughs> at this point. I mean, right? then they went, then they went like thirty games that year out of eighty-two. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they were, and I think Byron Scott was the coach as well. Oh God, yeah. yeah. So I mean, couple of guys, we we knew they weren't going to win anything. But the yeah, tank so, commander himself, Byron Scott. <laughs> also the man, the myth, the legend. So they they strike up this relationship and for whatever reason, Swaggy P, like wise veteran that he was, I guess gives D'Angelo Russell intimate details of, again, his dalliances with women that are not his fiance Iggy Azalea. So... Yeah, that well, Iggy I, Azalea, you know, I, the, I, the uh, Australian uh, rapper girl, for those who might remember oh, her. Yeah. She's kind of disappeared from our collective consciousness in recent years, but she was a legitimate star at this time. You know, yeah, a couple she had years that back. huge, it was like a number one song. I'm so fancy. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, go on. I, I keep interrupting you, but keep going. Go on. <laughs> no, no, you're, you're fine. You're fine. So for whatever reason, D'Angelo Russell thought it was a good idea to ask Nick Young about, you know, his his relationships outside of his relationship and he surreptitiously records him and then accidentally and i'm doing air marks when i say accidentally post this recording on social media good so lord iggy azalea finds out with the rest of the nba world that nick young was cheating on her because d'angelo russell ratted his boy out I'm pretty sure not too much before this news came out, Iggy Azalea just bought Nick Young a car, too. Oh, yeah, that's true. She bought him the car, and then when she found out, she had the people come up and, like, not repossess it, but take the car from his house and dip out with the car, and she took all her stuff, too. So this is all from the, you know, I guess, like, poor man Lannister's machinations of... (laughs) D'Angelo Russell. I mean, I just remember this a fantastic Game of Zones episode about this. <laughs> D'Angelo Russell has he's like letting out the Ravens and letting everyone know around the whole kingdom about the affair. It's just fantastic. Uh, shout out to Game of Zones, which was it's, it's over now, but it really it was fucking was classic, a, amazing. It was classic. Amazing it was better than the real thing. Report. It was way better than the real I, I thing. I would agree with that. I would agree. With I that. actually agree with that as well because the the real thing ended horribly. Game of Zones ended great. I mean, can you imagine ever being in the locker room with a guy who has that kind of history? Conversations between teammates are typically confidential. Now, obviously, some teammates aren't as close as others, but in general, those conversations are pretty private. No one outside of the locker room should hear that. No one outside of the team hotel or the team plane should hear that. And this fool is out here recording people. I mean, next thing we're going to know, we're going to hear about some ridiculous thing going on in the Timberwolves because of this fool. Like, what the hell? I mean, it's not just that he broke the confidence of Nick Young. It's they the said he broadcasted it to the whole fucking world. I mean, yeah. <laughs> like, either he's incredibly incompetent and truly doesn't even know the basic functionality of a phone, or he did this maliciously and... Either way, it's pretty inappropriate. And yeah, he was young then. People make mistakes when they're 18 years old, 19 years old. But I'm not surprised that 
Nick Young and the Lakers wanted him gone after that. Wait, Come hold on, up, bro. hold up. Bro, we were college-aged at some point. Yo, right, exactly. I don't exactly. think any of us were making that mistake. Eric, are you sure you want to revisit our a college mistake? All right, okay, okay, good point. Back to- <laughs> <laughs> okay, good point. <laughs> yeah, but but let, let me ask you, would you ever put your boys up to the fire like that? Like, no. Yeah, I think that's one thing, AC. We've done wild things. I don't, I don't think we're yeah, like no, snitching on each other like that. Come on, man. I, I, I think there's like a basic level of trust and camaraderie that you expect, especially from a teammate. And if there's one thing we've seen as a through line throughout all three of these podcasts is that maybe, just maybe, you can't quite trust teammates. We saw it with the Brent Barry and Tony Parker situation when Tony Parker slept with Brent Barry's wife. Probably the most egregious example of that. We saw it with Adrian Danley and Isaiah Thomas when allegedly, although very probably, Isaiah had Adrian Dantley shipped out of town for his old buddy, Mark Aguirre. And here again, we see it with Nick Young having all of his business broadcast to everyone, including his wife, by a teammate. Damn. Yeah, I don't... I, I mean, it seems as if we're poking a very big hole and the myth of the bro code with (laughs) with these uh beefs because a narrative is beginning to develop and it seems guys like do some really duplicitous things to each other well guys thank you so much for tuning in we hope you enjoyed our series on nba beefs i wish you guys good health and we will see you soon on brown men won't jump peace out guys Trust the process.